All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 115, 115. It's always good to hear from you. It is Tuesday night. Hopefully, the system works correctly. I can see people coming in, which is something we had a problem with last time. So my name's Bob Akairi. I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, J.D. Moore. In fact, I just saw him join right now, so I'm adding him in. But as always, it is Tuesday night. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your thoughts on what's going on in college football. There's a lot going on. I mean, this is that perfect sweet spot where we just wrapped up the regular season. We got Army-Navy coming up still. We have the bowl matchups. We have the CFP. We have all the head coaching changes. There's a lot to chat about. So we want to use this opportunity to hear from you. J.D., how are you? Back, my friend, we are doing well this evening. Uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed that our regular Saturdays are now interrupted. Uh, no longer the marathons of football games happening on Saturdays anymore, but we are about to get into the marathons of bowl games all the time. There are a bunch of fantastic matchups that I am really looking forward to. Obviously, at the very top billing, you've got some huge games with Georgia and Ohio State facing off for the first time in about 30 years. You've got TCU and Michigan facing off for the first time ever when what's going to be a fantastic Fiesta Bowl. And then if you just start working your way down, I mean, USC Tulane, I cannot wait to see what Tulane's running back core is going to do to that USC defense. And we can even go into the smaller games like this Cure Bowl. It's going to be an absolute banger. We've got UTSA and Troy facing off in a fantastic matchup of two G5 conference champions. And then, of course, we've got a Heisman ceremony coming up. We've got the transfer portal absolutely blowing up today. We have so much news happening in college football, and I can't wait to hear from all of our callers today about it. Absolutely. Hey, Thack, it's been a while. What's going on? Hey, what's up? How are, how, how are we doing, fellas? How are we doing? Great. Fantastic. Hey, hey man, I didn't get a chance now to talk to y'all uh, last Tuesday. Uh, but I wanted to, and I didn't get a chance to call in uh, fine mom about this, but, but hear me out. I, I, and I know this horse has already been, uh, been beaten to death, but Brian Harson leaving Auburn, they replace him with Hugh freeze. Are you kidding me? Now, listen, I, I ain't going to say it. Here, here's the thing. Hugh freeze is a master manipulator. He is a absolute master manipulator he is a complete psychopath everything is manipulative he manipulates people for his personal gain now here's the thing that being said i think there's going to be like a brian kelly situation hear me out because people aren't going to like him people aren't going to hate him but man he can win football games at auburn i swear to god it's going to happen he's not going to have a great season but he's going to have a Brian Kelly level. Did he just kind of do that? And, and, and I'm saying this now as Brian Kelly lost to Texas A&M in an absolute nightmare. But uh, that season, it tainted a little bit that Texas A&M lost. Uh, it tainted Brian Kelly's season. But here's the thing. Harson can win football games. And it's not because he picked up two at Alabama. It, that doesn't matter. He is a monster recruiter. And now with the NIL gates open, I mean, that is Brian Harson game. Now, here's the thing. Can he keep it together? He, he got on Feinbaum the other day, man. He said, you know, I'm reformed. And Paul Feinbaum it, it threw him softball questions. Nobody, nobody's asked this guy the hardball questions. And, and even when the time comes, he's just going to lie out his ass because he's, he, he's a master manipulator. Now, you know, let's see if he changes. 
But, man, is it going to be interesting to watch Auburn football for the next two, three years. I definitely think it's going to be an interesting thing to see as this develops, particularly if he doesn't start winning fast enough for the Auburn fan base and the Auburn, I should say, boosters. Because we saw how quick they are to sometimes turn. And all this stuff that perhaps they've been willing to look beyond in that search for winning may conveniently turn up. We might start to see some boosters suddenly have a change of heart and and start to have real concerns about some of the stuff that has been sort of set aside. But I agree, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. But, you know, it was kind of awkward for both him. It was funny to watch him and Lane Kiffin both kind of have losing streaks to end their season. Getting blown out by New Mexico State at home certainly wasn't the finale I think they would have hoped for his final regular season at Liberty. But, hey, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm impressed by what Liberty did. They, they're willing to throw money around and they got Jamie Chadwell out of Coastal. That was a, a tough loss there, but I, he was inevitably going to be hired. I'm kind of surprised it took until Liberty to, to go after him. But, J.D., what are your thoughts? Man, I mean, first and foremost, more than anything else, the reason Hugh Freeze got the job, and let's not lie about this, if you start looking at a list of guys who have beaten Nick Saban more than once and is available to take the Auburn job, that list is real, real small, and Hugh Freeze just happened to be the guy who was going to fit the bill. Like, you know, he did win at Ole Miss. He got the ability to win that Sugar Bowl over Oklahoma State. He also got pasted by TCU in that Peach Bowl. Let's also not forget that one. <laughs> but when you look at his record, it's not exactly a record that makes you go, oh, dang, this is a guy who is going to compete with Georgia and Alabama every single year. It's a, you know what, he pulled it off twice at Ole Miss surely he could do it again at Auburn. It's going to be in kind of that same way of, you know, Ryan Day at Ohio State, to use that as another example. And the insanity of beating your rival is what gives you job security no matter what. Ryan Day is one of the most elite coaches in college football right now, obscene winning percentage, won a ton of regular season games. There's a sizable amount of Ohio State fans who want him gone because he's lost back-to-back times in bad ways to Michigan. And I guarantee you, if he goes next year, we're looking at another 11-1 season, possibly looking at the playoffs, but he posts another giant goose egg of a game uh, in the big house when they go to play Michigan again, I guarantee you there's going to be some people who will run him off the field before he even makes it to the playoffs. It's the same exact way at Auburn. At Auburn, you want to try to find a way that makes you look competitive against Alabama. You need to look competitive against Georgia as they're becoming this new dynasty. And when you look at the opportunities of the coaches who have proven that they could at least beat them in an upset, regardless of results for the rest of the season, Hugh Freeze is one of the guys who actually fits that. Uh, Now, as far as what his team looks like as term as far as roster turnover i'm really fascinated to see how he works the transfer portal in his very first season i think it's uh very telling that you're seeing a couple of guys already transferring out i mean zach calzada uh, as the quarterback is already transferring out uh you've got guys who are going back and forth i mean my robinson the defensive tackle is back in the portal again after coming back and then he's back Uh, trying to get out of Auburn once again. You're looking at a lot of opportunities, especially on those lines. Uh, I think if you're on the offensive line right now, you probably need about three or four big guys right now that can continue to compete. Uh, I'm pretty confident he's going to go after someone like a Damian George, uh, who ironically is transferring from 
Alabama after starting at left guard for so long. Uh, but I think really one of the big things that Hugh Freeze is going to have to do is he's, he's going to have to succeed in the transfer portal to really kind of build up what Brian Hardison had left behind. If you look at the recruiting rankings that Auburn has had over the last two years under Brian Harson, one of the things that a lot of people were very skeptical of Harson coming in in was, you know, he was coming in from the Mountain West. And it's a completely different beast when you come into the SEC. And instead of trying to find, you know, the three stars that you can build up at Boise, you got to come in and find the blue chips at Auburn and be able to not just manage them in the locker room, but also develop them so they go beyond their original talent that they have coming out of high school. Because every team in the SEC has massive talent coming out of high school, but you have to find a way to keep cultivating that over and over. And Brian Harson really kind of failed to do both in his one and a half years at Auburn. So when I'm looking at, you know, what Auburn is going to look like this year, I'm really looking first and foremost to seeing who he pulls out of that transfer portal. There's guys, you know, like he's offered already, like Andre Carter out of Western Michigan, who's a big defensive end. That'll be a huge game changer. Uh, I know that he's going to be looking at a guy probably like Jaheim Bell, uh, the tight end out of South Carolina. Uh, that's going to be another name that he's probably going to be wanting to track. A lot of different movement like that is what Hugh Freeze is going to have to nail in order to get it done. And Bobak, I mean, I know for a fact that we've seen rosters change over immediately for success. USC being one of the biggest names and the biz- biggest successes of going from, you know, not exactly the greatest blue chip roster that you could imagine to on the cusp of the playoffs in just one year. Yeah, and I I think you're right. I think we're going to have to see a combination of him really doing a good job with this initial portal opportunity because USC kind of, I mean, it was funny at the beginning of the season, midway through this season, as we saw the those initial major firings, you know, Scott Frost in Nebraska, Harson at Auburn. It didn't seem I, I we still didn't quite get a sense of where USC was. They had that little hiccup, that first hiccup to Utah. So it just seemed like, oh, wow, they're doing pretty well, but they're still probably weaker. And they got as far as they did, and they finally collapsed, which, I mean, if anything, I thought that was a a pretty good statement for how valuable Caleb Williams was to that team. The moment he gets that uh, hamstring injury during the middle of that long run, and then USC just falls apart immediately. So they didn't get their dream, which was getting blown out in the semifinal. Instead, they got blown out in the Pac-12 championship. Which still, you know, an improvement for them. But I think really what we want to see is Freeze improve on Harson's recruiting in the SEC. That was something that just really rubbed a lot of those Tigers fans and Tigers boosters the wrong way. Before we get to Trey, JD, I know you wanted to mention something. Yes, I know that we've talked a little bit. You know, this is the coaching silly season. We're seeing a lot of big changes. I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised to see Jim Leonard not get the Wisconsin job. And then there were some early reports that he was going to stay on as defensive coordinator under Luke Fickle. Uh, this is now late breaking from Adam Rittenberger at ESPN. Uh, Jim Leonard announces he will no longer be a part of Wisconsin staff following the upcoming bowl game, which he will serve as defensive coordinator. So one of those weird things where he had the interim title at Wisconsin for the latter half of the season. A lot of people thought he might be the guy to get the head coaching job. Fickle ended up being the head guy for the Badgers. Jim Leonard expected to be that defensive coordinator. Uh, now Jim Leonard uh, turning around and saying he will no longer be with Wisconsin after the bowl game. I know he's already a big target for a couple of the uh programs that have already come up for potential coaching opportunities would not be surprised if we continue to see some movement, especially with Louisville coming open 
or with Kent State being open, the possibility of Jim Leonard deciding, I want to try my head coaching career somewhere. Uh, but that's the late-breaking news from ESPN right now. Well, that is interesting, and I, I think he is really a strong candidate, and we've been considering that, too. He's, been, he's definitely, as you said, been thrown around for a couple of positions there, although, again, luring Luke Fickle certainly, I think, silenced any criticism that there was about keeping him on just because that was a, such a, an impressive hire and an unexpected hire for Wisconsin. But Trey, you've been really patient. What's up? And again, if any of you all want to join us, requ- hit request. We'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts on anything. Hey, hey one second. I want to fire a drink as well. Sorry. I fire <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so fire yeah. Yeah. The athletic director. I want them all gone. <laughs> I'm serious hey. this time. This is, this is terrible. This is an absolute embarrassment at Tampa whole game. Listen, Memphis is four hours, four hours from St. Louis. Cuckoo against Kansas. Do they want to sell tickets? Do they want to sell tickets? All right, thank you. Go Tigers. God bless you. Sorry, Trey. <laughs> Go Tigers. I, I get it. I get it. So first on the coaching carousel, um, I'm from uh, northeastern Arkansas originally, so I appreciate Auburn hiring, uh, sorry, firing Harson and hiring uh, Hugh Freeze, both former Arkansas State coaches. Uh, a very interesting and odd place to be for a program that was independent in the mid-'90s, playing in the Big West in northeast Arkansas. Very funny. Uh, Barry Odom's over at UNLV now, for, uh, former uh, defensive coordinator for Arkansas. And, yeah, we are going to Memphis. We are going to Memphis playing – uh, our rival with a very similar name, but very different distinctions of why our names kind of sound similar. I'm not going into it, but still, um, you know, Blue Pig, Rock Chalk, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, oddly enough, Memphis is very, very cold uh, uh, at, at that time of year. And the last few times I've been to the Liberty Bowl, freezing hopefully we do a very good job well one thing i definitely got to say the liberty bowl is a stadium that needs some work um we always hear about it we were actually talking about the press box there because it's apparently one of the worst we haven't had a chance an opportunity to go there and it's so funny the guy who we might cover it he's like i might just watch it from the crowd (laughs) because of what he heard of what we were hearing about what it's like there it needs a bit of work i know memphis is talking about even building an on-campus stadium that's one of their dreams i'm surprised the the FedEx money hasn't paid for that. But all of that said, I'm kind of excited for that game, J.D. What do you think? I mean, it could have been better. And it's so funny, just to kind of, as Thack said on his way out, a lot of folks were hoping that would be versus Mizzou. But this one's got me interested. What are you thinking? Well, first and foremost, I will not stand for this slander of the Liberty Bowl, the most perfect dump of a college football stadium in the country. I will hear no slander against it. It is the perfect environment to watch a rowdy college football game. Uh, Again, I will always submit that the SMU Memphis game that I attended in 2019 uh, is one of the best environments I've ever been to in a college environment. I thoroughly recommend everybody go to at least one game at the Liberty Bowl, whether it's the Liberty Bowl itself or if you're going for a memphis game as a fan get rowdy get fun it's a fantastic environment out there now that being said 
Arkansas and Kansas, what a full matchup. I know a lot of people were jonesing for Mizzou and Kansas, and I would have loved to see that rivalry as well. There's the mixed reports of, you know, Mizzou was too scared uh, to face Kansas, which what a statement to say in the year 2022. But more importantly, I think this is one of those uh, incredibly intriguing bowl matchups because of the way that both of these teams got here. You know, you've got two teams that are six and six, and I think for both programs, it's a very different reaction to six and six. If you're Kansas, this is your first bowl game in forever, and disregard the fact that you know you went one and six down the stretch. You made a bowl game for the first time since I think it was 2008. Uh, was the last time that Kansas actually made it to a bowl game. It was winning football in Lawrence, Kansas for the first time in forever, and they are thrilled to be going to a bowl game, especially one that's fairly drivable for them. Arkansas, on the other hand, and please, Trey, uh, fill me in on this one. What is the vibe right now with your head coach? Because I'm sure with Sam Pittman, everybody is amped that you're having consistent football. You're able to be scrappy. You're able to be annoying to other SEC teams, which I think at this phase of Arkansas, you really want that. If you aren't necessarily you know, going to be that top five team in the country and getting your, all your top ten wins, you want to annoy the hell out of everybody in the SEC. You want to have fun games that you are enjoying. But this is a really up-and-down year with a very weird schedule. We don't talk enough about how pesky that schedule was with Cincinnati, with BYU on the road in Provo, uh, with hosting Liberty, with playing Southeast Missouri as your FCS opponent, and welcoming back Bobby Petrino uh, as your full out-of-conference slate. And then, of course, the SEC West on top of that. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly the vibe is with Sam Pittman right now because, again, you're getting consistent football that's at least winning but it's a weird consistency overall trey i gotta know as an arkansas guy what yeah. is your feeling right now oh he gets grace this year after a uh very uh schizophrenic year again we say uh we don't mention our former coach's name we say cfm it's chad middle initial morris i guess i can say it i'm on twitter chad Effin Morris. Sam Pittman has the grace this year, and he's brought us back from where we need to be. Uh, we're, we're hoping for better times later on. He's got the grace, and we're happy to be in a bowl game, and we're happy that we're talking about Arkansas football past October 1st. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting to also look at this. I mean, Arkansas, yeah, I think Arkansas, yeah, this is a good match. Two teams that really seem to have a great start and really positive movement, and it's a good place to potentially get a nice finale to, to get a win and get a good kind of feel heading into the next season. Hey, Thack, I just realized you wanted to, to add something. We let you back up. What's up? Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean – hey, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt here. Uh, hey, do you, do you run, the, run the Twitter account? I'm sure it's multiple people. Well, we contribute to it. JD and I won't necessarily claim every tweet. Why did we say something bad? Uh, well, are you are you familiar <laughs> with uh, the antlers, perhaps, of mo the Missouri basketball fame? I'm not sure. No, I don't think so, JD. First time I'm hearing about it, but again, we got a couple of uh, other fools uh, who help uh, run this uh, Twitter account. Uh, if there are good tweets, that's clearly me and Bobak. If they're bad tweets, it's clearly all of them. I, I had a wonderful no experience at the national championship game last year in the media hotel, having a very heated conversation with a member of the press who 
was really upset about a tweet I didn't make. And I was just sort of sitting there. I'm like, yeah, cool. And, you, you know, you just sort of listen. And I'm like, this is so weird to be having an argument over it. So, I mean, we, we like it, we were both drinking and, and we all chilled out, and, you know, bro hug at the end of it. But still, it's kind of it's always been a running joke for us. It's like, <laughs> oh, awesome. What, what's going to be said and what am I going to have to answer for? Oh, by the way, you know, one thing I wanted to, to just really quickly touch on because the, with all the, the head coaching moves with Arkansas, I was really surprised to see UNLV took Barry Odom because there were so many other coaches that were being brought up. I mean, you know, Barry, you know, he had a, he had that time at, at Mizzou and, you know, he's been the defensive coordinator in Arkansas, but I mean, where I, I thought UNLV would have maybe gone something a little more adventurous than that. What were your take on that, JD? Man, UNLV, that was, you know, given the names that were floated out originally, I mean, the very first name that was floated out there was Gary Patterson. That was the original report by Bruce Feldman of, you know, names to take interest in that. And then we had Mike Stoops coming out, which, of course, you know, he was at uh, Arizona as the head coach for a while. He's currently at Kentucky with his brother. Uh, and, of course, being of the Stoops name, that brings a certain amount of notoriety with him. Then we had the off-the-wall report, which just reeked of school trying to float any rumor to the local press of Ed Ogeron was interested and Chris Peterson was interviewing for the job. Both of those reports immediately getting flushed down uh, by Bruce Feldman almost immediately. But to go through like that list of names and then for them to go, yeah, actually it's Barry Odom. Um, I think that was a like really big surprise in terms of who they ended up going for. And again, I thought Marcus Arroyo was definitely on the right path. UNLV is historically a difficult place to win at. He won the Fremont Cannon against Nevada this year. Uh, and they, you know, were going to their fourth bowl game ever. And I think it's their first one since about 2003. Somebody please correct me on that if I've got that wrong. Uh, but, you know, you don't fire a guy who's making that type of progress at UNLV unless you have somebody else lined up. And it just kind of baffles me that, you know, if they had somebody lined up and it was Barry Odom, uh, that's kind of just a weird firing for me. I mean, if you were going to announce a Gary Patterson, an Ed Ogeron, a Mike Stoops, a whoever else uh, who had like this big Power Five coaching experience and was going to bring this oomph uh, to UNLV, I would have understood that. But Barry Odom, out of all of that, that just kind of seemed like an odd hire uh, for a very odd firing with the Rebels. Yeah, UNLV is a tough job. Since 2000, they've had two seasons where they've gone above 500. I mean, and I mean, they've had some real fiascos in that mix. They had Mike Sanford that didn't work out. You know, Bobby Hawk was an interesting one because he's he's now back and doing great at Montana. And everyone thought that was going to be a positive hire to, to when UNLV got him from Montana. And he had one. You know, he had gosh, it was five. Pardon me, he had five seasons, four of which were two win seasons. One of which in the middle of it was a seven and six where they went to the hot heart of Dallas bowl and lost, but it's always been one of those just sort of tough situations. It's a tough and, and they are, they, it's kind of weird. They're almost a sleeping giant. I mean, but they made that mistake. They, uh, Tony Sanchez just didn't work out. They were one of those teams that decided to hire a high school head coach, which we've talked about before, straight out of high school, straight to the head coaching position, no transition. It, go from a head coaching position in high school to a college coordinator position and kind of get used to the college game before moving up to a head coaching position. And we've seen a couple of those do it successfully, but yeah, UNLV is now that they've got the allegiance, you know, they've got the, a great venue. We just hope to see them do a little bit better. Hey, we've got someone else up here. Uh, what's up here, Aggie land. 
I just wanted to say that uh, Coach O at UNLV sounds like a plot for a new Hangover movie. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, I just just to get him doing more pressers would be fun. Yeah. And you know that would pull more attention to UNLV. Could you imagine? I'm a gambler. Or whatever, however it would go. Like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I just seeing him pull that giant slot machine they have on the sideline. Yeah. It just seems like if UNLV should have picked the wackiest coach they could get. Because it just seems like that would be a perfect fit. That se- that would be like their their niche, you know? Right. That's all. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. And again, any of you, if you want to join us, talk about whatever coaches, bowls, past season, CFP, heck, talk about football in Canada, Japan, D3, I don't care. Just hit request. We'd love to talk to you. But, J.D., I mean, so who do you think, who would you have liked to have seen at UNLV? So at UNLV, I mean, again, I'll stand on the record again and say, you know, if you've got a coach that is taking you to your fourth bull ever, maybe continue to ride with him a little bit longer. I mean, UNLV had a fantastic start to the season. They went four and one to start off the year. Yes, they collapsed a little bit down the road, but they had a win over one of their huge in-state rivals. Uh, You had it as close games. You weren't getting necessarily blown out by guys you weren't supposed to get blown out by. Uh, so I would have loved to see Arroyo keep uh, moving with that job. But, uh, you know, if we were to pick, you know, just in full fiat power, could pick anybody out there for UNLV and just say, hey, you know what? I just want to throw it out there, see what would have happened. Um, it, you know, just for kicks and giggles, uh, I think one of the names that got rumored uh, that what I would have loved to see as a neutral fan was Kevin Sumlin uh, being thrown out there as a uh, guy, again, as a neutral fan, just to see how that would go if you would get a Houston or Texas A&M type of uh, Kevin Sumlin or if you get an Arizona type uh, Sumlin. But, you know, if we want to talk about other coaches as well that kind of know the region, uh, I'll throw you another one. Uh, you know, Rich Rodriguez back in the desert. I would have loved to see something like that as a retread, as a new opportunity, or even if you wanted to, you know, go with something a little bit uh, younger, a little bit newer, you know, out of all the jobs that I expected to get filled, Tom Herman going to FAU was not what I expected in this coaching cycle. And if UNLV could have taken a swing of that, I think that would have been a fantastic hire for UNLV as well. Aguilar, I know you wanted to add something. Uh, well, I heard you brought up Texas A&M. Uh, I heard that they have lost so many in the portal now that they're ineligible for their bowl game. Is that true? You know, that's interesting. Well, one thing I will say, and, and this is a number <laughs> I thought was fascinating, but, like, there is, what, 10% of all college football players and FBS are technically in the portal right now? Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, they're obviously not all going to be popping out there. I mean, there's, what, yes, uh, RJ Young, we, we shared that tweet. It's like 1,100 players entered the transfer portal, and there's, like, I mean, there's – there's a total of 11,000 scholarships, I believe, at FBS or, or at least D1. So, I mean, a lot of these folks are going to come back. So I'm not I'd, – I'd wait to see where that goes. I mean, there, there's still plenty of time. But, man, that would be spectacular. I've heard that, I've heard that rumor come up for a couple of teams. Will we see a team that just can't field enough, which would be kind of hilarious. That would be, uh, that would be a retread of, you know, it's like we, we just finally got past all the, non, the, all the headaches – that you know omicron did this time last year and then to have a team just not be able to make it because of the transfer portal that would be <laughs> some bowl well, would be like it would be funny if it were like the holiday bowl again or something or that poor arizona bowl who who uh who had one of their teams you know 
taken from them for the Sun Bowl, that would just be a disaster. But I mean, it's fun to consider that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I was, I was just kidding. There's there's another reason the Aggies aren't going to play a bowl game this year. Yeah, a couple of, <laughs> need, need a couple more wins there at least. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's kidding. well, hopefully they'll turn it around next year. You know, it'll be interesting to see how. I mean, a lot of attentions. I mean, for better or worse, a lot of folks are going to be paying attention to to A and M next season to see how it goes. They're unfortunately turning. They might turn into the main character at the beginning of the season. But uh, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. <laughs> Eamon G, <laughs> what's up? Hey, how you doing? Um, I've long maintained that the admin of Reddit CFB is a TCU fan. So, I'm using this, this opportunity to either confirm or deny that. Because I feel like you guys either tweet or talk about them outsized. But I don't know if that's just my algorithm picking it up. Well, I mean, I'll be the first to <laughs> confirm. So, I am. Uh, a TCU alumni. I'm one of the several guys who does help run the account. So one of the things that, you know, that has been a joy uh, to do is as a TCU Horn Frog, just happen to have a lot of connections with the TCU community and a lot of TCU players. So when we've seen, you know, TCU be the number three team in the country, go on an undefeated streak uh, in Big 12 play, you know, we've had a lot of spaces before. We've we've had Jeremiah Donati here on a space, uh, the current athletic director over at TCU. We We've had Jaden Oberchrome, uh, the longtime uh, legendary oh, uh, kicker over at TCU. We've had him on a space, and it just happens to be, you know, we've got, you know, <laughs> we always laugh that, you know, we get DMs all the time of, I can't believe that you're an XYZ fan, or why would you dare, like, argue against XYZ uh, if you're supposed to be a big fan of these teams. And it's hey, somebody today to said we must be run by Tennessee fans, and yes. they said it positively. And I yes. was like, wow, there's a reversal because we, mm-hmm. we've heard everything. I mean, to just build on what J.D. said, first of all, yes, we do indulge him. OK, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I'm a U.S. I mean, but between all of us, gosh, I mean, J.D., that's not your only school. And not only my I mean, I've got we joke like between the the core people we've got, we've we cover like 10 universities. Oh, it's, um, just it's because, even more than that. It's even more than that with just even the core. Like, I mean, we because we've we got a grad, that- most of us have grad degrees. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, we love the fact that we have a large representation across several fields, and we have a lot of interests in various fields as well. I mean, one of the reasons that we're one of the accounts that, you know, can talk excessively about Japanese football is we love stuff like Japanese football. We've got guys on the team that love D2 football, that love NAIA football, that love FCS football. And it's the opportunity that, you know, every so often we get to indulge each other on just the amount of of craziness that we get in a different season. So like, you know, another example is I was born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, so one of my favorite teams of all time is the Hawaii rainbow warriors. And so anytime we get to say something about them, I love being able to add different contexts that other accounts might not necessarily have. And it's the same exact way for a bunch of other different guys on the team of, yeah. you know, they know a little bit about something or they know uh, a little bit more about this type of football. And we just get to, you know, kind of go crazy about it. So, so are you guys all moderators of the actual Reddit page? Like, what's the uh, most that, of I us are? You are okay, and then most of us, not not all of us, because we've we we've had folks who've been moderators and just we just prefer doing Twitter, and you know, we're we're all. I mean, I, I don't want to bore everybody, but in, for any of this to ever work, you got to have a group that works together well. So you know, a lot of us just kind of have our lane or what we're good at. You know, my hat is I do this and I kind of run our little media coverage, which is very, you know, 
we're not going to claim that we're any major media entity, but we do our own original reporting and things like that. So we're all volunteers. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, my profession, as I've said before, I'm an attorney. I teach at the, you know, at the University of Minnesota, which is where I got my law degree. And, you know, J.D.'s got his profession. We've got several others that do things, as I said. I mean, between us, we've got people who did Pac-10. Probably, yeah, God, I'm that old. I just said that without even thinking. <laughs> but Pac-12, Sunbelt, SEC, yeah. oh, gosh, Big 12, ACC, you name it. We've got someone who's been involved in every conference in the land. So that, that I think, helps a bit in terms of balancing each other out. But, yeah, I mean, with we J.D. and I have been laughing all season because I'm going to tell you, USC and T.C. were the two teams that were like, how are we still in this? How are we still in the CFP race? <laughs> and his team made it and my team didn't, which is cool. I mean, one thing is good. We're also really good at roasting ourselves because I can, eh, I can poke the right buttons with the USC fans because I am one and I know exactly what buttons to press. And sometimes I can. And I love it's always fun when we get a DM really, really mad because we must be Irish or UCLA fans. It's like, no, brother, it's me. <laughs> so I so know can, I know where to stick the knife. <laughs> so you can kick me out hundred percent after this question, but do you guys just have a group chat that goes all day long in terms of like this is what I'm thinking about posting this? What do you guys think? Or is there no real checks and balances oh, that's an interesting thing you know there it's a bit of both i mean you know we've always a lot of folks use things to communicate you know so the most two popular i would say are like you know some people use slack some people use discord we've used slack god since 2015 it's scary to realize it's been that long it just made it so much easier for us to communicate like most teams who do any kind of project so you know it lets us collaborate some of us have free reign those of us have been doing it for a long time just because we all tr there's a certain level of trust between sort of a core group and we if people make mistakes you know you, we don't if you ever do something like twitter this is my advice because we get other subreddits to come up to us like how did you guys get a twitter that's got three hundred thousand followers how do you do that and we're like dude you just keep trying and if you make a miss you just keep moving on it's not you know people you know you're never going to be great every time we've got like six different voices so we sound schizophrenic sometimes you know, from tweet to tweet, there'll be like back to back tweets. One will be about like completely different topics. But it's like anything. If you're going to do something like this, if you ever want to build something like this, we'll give advice for free because it's not like we get, we're, you know, it's you just got to keep going. And I love seeing some of the success from other groups. Like I know Sickos Committee runs a little like that. I, I'm not going to claim to have an in-depth knowledge of how they run. But they, that's how they do it. They run it by a committee. I think they're a larger group of people. I think they're like almost 20 to 30 people from what I understand around that Twitter account. Uh, 60, according to The Athletic. Holy cow. That's amazing. Like, <laughs> we, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, yeah. So with us, it's more of a, a, a way smaller group with a couple of, of guests. And some people don't feel comfortable tw uh, tweeting, so they'll just sort of like drop ideas and we'll we'll work with it or drop news and we'll work with it but that's yeah. i mean I, we don't mind answering it we don't again i apologize thank you all for indulging that question but we're always happy to be pretty transparent about how it all runs and, and what it's like because it, it's a little different we realize that thank you guys appreciate it no thank you so first of all i just wanted to get back you had your your hand up and then we'll get back to yeah boy ron and then uh, we let up uh somebody who seems to be having trouble connecting but we'll get to them too but back what's up Hey, hey, all right. You got to out the Kansas fan now because uh, the Antlers uh, of Missouri basketball fame put out, a, put out a statement four days ago that uh, the Kansas fan might be interested in. They said, <laughs> uh, 
They said, quote, here, I'll, I'll pull up the uh, the tweet here for you. Four days ago, the Antlers, uh, two dipshits that run the Reddit CFB and Barstool Mizzou should get together and have a redacted off. What a couple effing redacteds the ant- signed the Antlers. Well, we appreciate them for following our account. That's always a plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, that's what the Kansas fan about the uh, the bowl, the bowl coverage. Uh, so, all right. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Back. Hey, what's up? Yeah, boy, Ron. What's going on? What's up, Mr. Uh, CFB and JD? Wait, and I have a quick question for you because you said something that got me. You said you teach at University of Minnesota. Have any of your students ever realized who you were oh yeah because oh yeah years ago before we even started doing like these things where you just kind of you just kind of you, know, you just do it you just kind of make it work and yeah i mean i'm old enough that i've been on the internet since you know uh, i only got the internet in college so i think that helped i never grew up and made like some crazy time where i said some some uh really stupid you know uh things so i'm lucky if i had i probably would have been more careful because i like most people i had a dumb time when i was in high school and all that stuff but anyway, so uh, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, so yeah, some of them figured it out. I don't mind. But yeah, so I only asked because when I was uh, in, still in college, was this like 20, 2020, uh, I was a lab manager. And one of the kids who used to come into my lab figured out who I was on Reddit. And I literally wanted to die for about 30 minutes. So I wanted to know if that were happening to you. All right. Yeah, that was it. Just wanted to ask that. Uh, <laughs> bye. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it just, it happens. <laughs> it was horrifying when he was like, wait, is this your username on Reddit? And I just went pale and was like, no. Yeah, so la vie, eh? <laughs> you know, you just got to own up to it. I mean, what is it? What I mean, you know, you just do whatever you got to do. But JD, have you ever had anyone realize who you are? Oh, so many people from TCU. So many people from TCU uh, have sent me DMs saying like, hey, uh, did you write anything like this? And I'll just go like, I mean, yes, uh, I'm again one of those people who I don't necessarily hide behind any kind of account or anything else like that. Uh, You know, I've been talked about so many times just over the years. Uh, This has always been a very fun thing to do. And the fact that we get to do it with listeners like you, it's always an absolute treat. And, you know, speaking of listeners, uh, I do know one of the tweets uh, that was sent up to us during this space. Do you want to address it from uh, Rico S. LaModa? Uh, He wanted to know our opinion on the uh, L.A. Bowl matchup. Uh, between Fresno State and Washington State. So first off, I mean, again, uh, two West Coast teams in a California Bowl. Uh, what is your first initial reaction of, you know, what's going to happen in the L.A. Bowl this year, which I believe uh, this year is, again, uh, sponsored as the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? It is, and I'm excited about it. First of all, you know, I know some of the Fresno State fans were a little disappointed, but not because it's Wazoo. It's just because, you know, they won the, their conference. And they, they face a middle Pac-12 team because that's just the way it laid out. And I can see a little bit disappointment there. But am I excited about the matchup? Yeah, I'd love to see how Wazoo does against Fresno State. I'd love to see how Fresno State looks because a lot of times, you know, the Mountain West, it's it's a crowded field out there with when you got all the games going on, so you don't get a chance to really to check it out. But it's a beautiful stadium. They're going to be hosting the national championship a little bit later in early January. Hopefully, we'll be catching that as well and covering it live. I'm optimistic about the bowl. It should be fun. Uh, I think I'm going to give an edge to Fresno State. They, they look really exciting right now. I mean, that quarterback, oh, God, he's just he's stellar. But 
we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think it was a little clumsy last year. They certainly, I, I was surprised there was a bit of like a pushback on the LA Bowl last year. I think some people were just annoyed with the Jimmy Kimmel approach, but I, which I guess maybe surprised me. Maybe that isn't the same audience, which made some sense. But some folks were like really upset about that. But I'm sure this year will go well. It's a top-notch facility. Should be great for the players. They get to go spend a couple of days in L.A. I'm sure Fresno State's going to really show up because obviously a lot of their fans are in the L.A. area. A lot of folks from the Central Valley move down to L.A. and it's not a long drive at all. So it's exciting. I, mean, I grew up in the Central Valley myself. Fresno State was like the big college. The high school I went to, the one kid who got that D1 scholarship went to go play QB at Fresno State. Unfortunately, he was in the same QB class as another guy from my hometown whose name was David Carr. Uh, so did he get to see the field? No. The other kid from Bakersfield was a number one NFL draft pick. So sometimes that's <laughs> that just is how it, how it turns out. J.D., what are your thoughts on that matchup? I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about Fresno State coming into their own. I don't think anybody really expected them to go up to Boise and kind of put that beat down on them, which Boise State had such a weird year this year going 0-3 against FBS uh, non-conference play and then beating everybody in the Mountain West until they go ahead and play Fresno State for that championship. And, you know, the difference of having a healthy Jake Hayner is huge when you're the Fresno State Bulldogs, when you've got guys who are back in the lineup and they're contributing, like Jordan Mims, uh, getting those two touchdowns, which were really huge for Fresno State. That's the kind of production that Fresno State is going to need in this upcoming game. And I really do think that, you know, at least looking at these initial lines, Fresno State, I would kind of favor in this matchup just because of, you know, again, momentum going into this bowl game. I love what Cameron Ward has done at Washington State, uh, but especially with Eric Morris uh, being floated around for all these different positions uh, as a head coach. Uh, you know, he was rumored for the Tulsa job. He was rumored for the Texas State job. He's been rumored for all these other positions all throughout the country. I think that kind of puts a little bit of a distraction uh, when you're looking into your upcoming bowl practices and your trainings and of course you've got kind of like a very difficult loss to deal with in the loss to the apple cup uh to your hated rivals which you know last year you got your first win over them in forever you've got this kind of like emotional hangover where fresno is really getting their stuff back together i mean they lost to boise state the first time because they had to have logan fife in the lineup jake hayner was hurt uh but now you've got like a really healthy bulldogs team and I really like their opportunity, and especially knowing, you know, Washington State is going to travel, but it's not going to travel in the same way that Fresno State will travel because, again, it's going to be in-state. It's going to be easy for them to get down there. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great environment no matter what for this game. Uh, and, you know, one of, oh, go ahead. Oh, go on, go on. I was about to well, say. Well, no, I was going to say, but Fresno, and Fresno State loves an opportunity to take out a Pac-12 team. That's like a hobby for them, all the way back to the Freedom Bowl. But oh, I do, I do want to say, I think we're, I, I hope, I think Wazoo is still a strong program, and and they could very well pull it out. I mean, Jake Dickert, we had him on the show a while back before, actually, it was before the season because I mean, I remember we were talking about that because for him, how exciting it was going to be for him to lead the Cougs into Camp Randall because he's a he's a Wisconsin guy himself and and went to a small college out there for his own career just to lead and then. To lead Wazoo in and upset Wisconsin early on in the season was just tremendous. 
So it could be that they turn it around. I'm, I was wondering if they were going to lose Eric Morris to perhaps Texas State. They haven't. I mean, I don't know if that means uh, – gosh, I don't think North Texas – North Texas hasn't hired anyone yet, have they? Yeah, they're one of the teams that's still out there, but – Correct. Currently still open. I mean, your leader in the clubhouse there is probably going to be Graham Harrell, uh, the offensive coordinator of West Virginia. He was the offensive coordinator uh, when Mason Fine was an incredible quarterback for the Mean Green. They were in bowl games relatively consistently. I wouldn't be surprised if Graham Harrell ends up going back to UNT. Uh, other names to probably look out for, you got guys like Garrett Riley over at TCU. Uh, just won the Broyles Award. He's been nominated in that space. And then you've got plenty of other people who look at the opportunity of, you know, being one of the three schools centrally located in the DFW Metroplex. So much access to talent. It should be a very incredible job for whoever wants it. But yeah, I mean, Eric Morris is definitely going to be one of those guys as well of, you know, he built up something at university of incarnate word. He was able to bring his quarterback up with cam ward. Uh, I could absolutely see Eric Morris going back down to Texas. If UNT wants to give him a call. Yeah. Haters for real though. I just, uh, I got to just say that again. He, and I apologize. I forgot. I always, sometimes names slip my mind, but yeah, Fresno State QB, Jake Hayner, absolutely just a tremendous quarterback. In fact, you could see where, <laughs> where they, where Fresno State had their weakest stretch was, was during some of those, the, some of the games where he wasn't playing to his fullest. And then they just turned it around again. I was surprised, a little surprised to see how well they did against Boise State, but I'm not shocked. This wasn't a shocker at all. It wasn't quite like last year where I think Utah State's win was a little bit more surprising when they won the whole conference. But again, we're happy to see how they're doing and we're looking forward to that game as well. You know, several of the other bowl games, what, what other bowl games have got your attention, J.D.? Well, if we want to talk in the more morbid sense, I think one of the games that just got very weirdly fascinating, which it was already fascinating to begin with, uh, just because it was reigniting an old rivalry we haven't seen in a whole uh whole long time uh, but now becomes so fascinating to me is going to be the Fenway Bowl that's Cincinnati versus oh Louisville yeah. for the keg of nails but neither team has their head coach that they had with the season because obviously Luke Fickle very surprisingly taking the Wisconsin job and then even more surprisingly Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville to go to Cincinnati and him announcing hey you know what there's going to be too much tension in Boston I'm not even going to attend the game I'm just going to go do some recruiting I might watch the game from a recruit's house, but I'm not going to go to this game. You know, we've always seen what happens when you have to have an interim in a bowl game and what kind of a absolute dice gamble that ends up becoming. But now that you've got two teams that didn't necessarily expect to lose their coach in this offseason, now having to face off against each other in a rivalry game that is, you know, now going to be played, what, like 14, 15 hours away? I don't know the drive distance from Cincinnati or Louisville up to Boston, but man, that is already just going to be an absolute powder keg of a game. Yeah, I mean, it's Wasabi. I mean, that's the company that's sponsoring it. Now, it's going to be extra spicy. I just got to say, it's so funny to see some of these sponsors. Wasabi, like, are they even a, a commercial company? Like, are they even a com consumer company? I think they're, are they B2B? Have these, like, it's like, I, I, as much as we love Easy Post and that, and the, the guy who just absolutely uh, killed Rest in it. Peace. You know, yeah, he, he's moved on. But that social media guy who absolutely killed it last winter when one of the teams couldn't show up. For, and they had to cancel the bowl and just kind of went hog wild on their Twitter account. But I mean, even Easy Post, I'm like, they're not a consumer company. There is this like 
some of it, I mean, and again, not to offend some of the bulls, but whatever, who cares? Like, it's a racket. It's like, what, what on earth? It's like, did some company, like, are you, is this what like marketers do? And some companies like, oh, let's figure out a way to like have some fun. Well, hey, let's sponsor a bull. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's like, let's go sponsor a bull that I don't think anyone who's going to watch it on TV or anyone who's going to go in person is probably going to be a customer. But hey, we got to send somebody, get some swag, get a box in Fenway or however that works. Um, and, you know, it's like I remember one time I was on my way to to see a game and I was on a flight, started talking to the guy next to me. He worked for, you know, one of those sports uh, organizations like that, that nonprofits that kind of bring try to bring sporting events in a city from where I live, Minneapolis, and went to the national championship game. And I'm kind of like, there's no way U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, maybe, okay, maybe there's a small chance. But U.S. Bank Stadium, especially in this larger playoff, can you imagine them getting a national championship game in late January? I mean, I think it would be hilarious, personally, especially living here, if uh, you know we had like a negative 30 stretch and it's an indoor stadium and we just see, if, especially if it ends up being SEC, SEC, so we can kind of see, you know, some for some folks from like, I don't know, <laughs> Most likely Tuscaloosa or, you know, Gainesville out here just freezing to death outside before they go into the stadium. But part of me is just like, wow, you, this is a sweet life. I mean, there's been a couple of bulls that got in trouble like that. I still remember when the Fiesta Bowl, some of their guys got in trouble because it turned out that, you know, what are they doing with all that money? They're just sort of going on really expensive vacations and things like that. But, yeah, I don't know. That's just my, my small rant seeing some of these sponsors. I mean, cool. We're glad they're sporting college football. So bless them for doing that. But I'm just sort of like – Wasabi, what are you what are you getting out of this? But anyway, Fenway Bull, that's what I'm going with. On speaking of cold weather, though, I do love that Syracuse and Minnesota are going to be playing in New York City outdoors. The two teams that I think are most suited for that, the fan bases that are most suited for that. Although not sure many Gopher fans are going to necessarily be interested in going to New York City. They 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 are a bit of um, they like to be snowbirds here a bit. So. Maybe not quite as good as it would be for a lesser bull down south somewhere or in Arizona, yes, Arizona or, or Florida. Those two are where a lot of those folks out here like to go spend their winters. I'm not one of those people. I might go spend a couple of days down to Mexico City, but that's just because that's just my, my idea of a fun vacation. Jenny, what are you thinking about some of these other games kind of out there? You know, again, if we're going to dip into the uh, morbid uh, type of games, uh, you know, December 31st, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, if you want uh, a football game, uh, I think that's the only way you can really describe it. Uh, you know, you got your Music City Bowl with Iowa versus Kentucky round two. Uh, if you couldn't have thought of a uh, bowl game from last year that, you know, you just went, please, I would just rather watch them paint dry. Uh, you've got another fantastic matchup between those two happening in Music City uh, that I think is just going to be, you know, that might be a first to 10 wins. It literally could be the first one to 10 point wins, especially with Kentucky recently firing their offensive coordinator. Uh, Iowa, you know, for some reason is still able to hire or still retain Brian Ferentz because he has some kind of uh, terrible blackmail photos uh, against, uh, you know, uh, Gary Barta. <laughs> well, he doesn't even report to his dad. He reports to Gary Barta as the uh, athletic yeah, director who yeah. therefore reports to Brian Ferentz, who tells him how to do his job as an athletic director. Uh, but let's go ahead and veer away from, uh, you know, the uh, morbid games into the more fun games. Uh, I don't think that there is a more. You know, the only way I can really describe it is rootin', tootin' and shootin'. 
Uh, and that's going to be Ole Miss versus Texas Tech in the Texas Bowl on December 28th. That is going to be an incredible game of just a bunch of scrappy guys who are trying to salvage something out of their season. I mean, Texas Tech has already had their first winning Big 12 conference season since, I believe, 2009. Uh, Joey McGuire, we've interviewed him on the show. Uh, and, you know, he's had such a fantastic year with beating Texas and Oklahoma for the first time in a season in the entire history of the Texas Tech program. And then, of course, Lane Kiffin. Uh, seeming a little bit defiant after, you know, even going into a little bit of a skid, saying that he's going to stay there. He wasn't taking the Auburn job. He's now a top 10 paid coach in the country. Uh, that should be a game that no matter what, you should be betting the over on that one because it's going to be a fun game to watch and probably kind of in the same way of Oregon and North Carolina. Uh, that's happening in the Holiday Bowl as well. I mean, I think those are probably uh, some of the best games you're going to have. That's going to be a fantastic late night slot on the 28th. Definitely. And oh, gosh, you know, I just want to just speak on the Cotton Bowl because we joked about it earlier. I mean, USC Tulane. I'm excited for Tulane. As I've said, I, I'm a USC alum. I, I root for the team, but I'm not like crazy anymore. Clay Hilton helped kill that particular desire to, to <laughs> he killed enough hope that I can kind of look at it with a certain level of distance. But at the same time, I mean, it's not a it, it's a classic no one necessarily wants to be the team facing the G5 program in the year six. And first of all, I love Tulane. I mean, I've loved them before. I've toured the campus with their sports information director. We took a look around, you know, the angry wave, all of that. It's just gorgeous. We have a cool, the subreddit bought a brick combining, you know, a bunch of fans got together and raised some money. We've got a brick way out there that's uh, actually, it's really funny. It's in Morse code because there's some rumor that this, modernist library the way the windows look it's supposed to be a morse code and kind of a joke so uh, it's a cool school usc is in a, a no-win situation either they win and it's expected especially if caleb williams is 100 percent, or they lose and it's like gosh you guys really are terrible and which will of course i think undersell the two lanes so it, it's kind of an awkward game for the trojans going into it but i think i still think you know, it, it's it's certainly a positive. I don't think anyone expected him to get to near six necessarily, especially isn't that large this season. But I'm excited about it, and I'm really excited about Tulane. Of course, we had Willie Fritz as a guest earlier this season. He's a really interesting guy. I'm not surprised to see the success. Some people are talking about it like, oh, wow, once in a while, you know, especially when he was a, a candidate for Georgia Tech, like, oh, wow, they're going to give him a job based on one season. It's like, no, nah, the guy – had a lot of success before. I still remember my first time covering the Sun Belt Media Day. He was at Georgia Southern, and he had just an incredible run before that at the FCS level, at the D2 level. He'd won a couple of championships at the JUCO level. I mean, he can coach. For some reason, though, Tulane's always been a challenge, so it takes a little bit more to get them going. But I hope to see them successful more in the long run because it's exciting. I mean, New Orleans, first of all, I love the city. Second of all, it's great to have a nice college football program there. And and not only that, there is a bit of a matchup culturally, perhaps, between Tulane and USC. Both fan bases, uh, or at least student bodies, have a bit of a reputation of being kind of eh, a little bit on the, uh, you know, uh, elitist kind of money type. So maybe there'll be a little bit of uh, some, you know, uh, some meeting of the minds as they all get together and, and hopefully get a chance to party together. Hey, Aguiland, I saw you unmuted, and then we'd love to get to Harry. Uh, well, you know, with the Lincoln rally and uh, Caleb Williams and all the transfers from Oklahoma, and then also the history with USC and Texas, could they not have matched up USC and Texas? 
somehow in a bowl game. Yeah, you know, it certainly could have happened. I think, gosh, I don't know what. Where was Texas ranked in the? I don't think they. I don't think so, they so I'm going to chime in here just real quick. I think um, they beat twentieth. The yes, the only real way that that could have happened was if USC got bumped out of the New Year's Six Bowl, which that would have been possible if there was just one more upset. So, like, let's say if you know LSU had beaten Georgia, uh, you would have had a very weird scenario where Alabama probably would have been bumped uh, down to either the orange or the cotton. Uh, and then that would mean that USC wouldn't be able to play in the cotton bowl. And that would have paired them up uh, in the Alma bowl, which typically takes the number two out of yeah, the Pac-12 that would have been and either that, the number exactly two or the number it. three that's exactly uh, out how of the uh, Big 12. Yes, exactly. And, and JD's hundred percent right. That was it. If they did not make the uh, the New Year's Six, they would have been in the Alamo Bowl as the second team. That that would have been a good storyline, a double storyline. Oh, absolutely. You know, That's and they're always Texas. fun when they play. You know. Yeah. Well, that that last one in Austin, Texas won pretty handily, but the the previous two games, obviously the famous Rose Bowl championship game and that game uh, that they had at USC that went into double overtime, those were exciting games. Right. So yeah. it's always good to see those two go together. I mean, it's FSU and Oklahoma that I think got the two big – because it, it's always fun to see two big blue blood teams hit each other. And I think that, for example, this ball season, it's watching Oklahoma and FSU. That's that's one that's always exciting. But, um, Harry, you, you, what's up? What's going on, guys? Hey. That Florida State game is, is very interesting. I don't know if we're going to – I don't know who's going to play in it, if we're going to be ready for that game. Kind of a little anxious about that one. But the one that I'm really excited about is that uh, the one that I'm going to really be keeping an eye on is the real Cotton Bowl. That that, that one I'm really going to be keeping a good eye on. Um, it, re- remember, it was last year, and um, Tulane was not as good as they are this year. In fact, they were, they were pretty bad. And... Uh, Obviously, there was a lot that went on in that, but at the end of the day, it ended up basically being an extra home game for Oklahoma, and uh, they come in. Lincoln Riley was on the OU sidelines, and that was probably one of the more entertaining games in week one. Uh, Tulane actually had a chance. If you remember in that ball game, uh, what actually would have had to happen is just another quarter of an inch and get the first down. They keep marching. And uh, I, I, I think on that drive, if they get that first down, guys, I really think that they score. Um, that was that was a uh, that was a tight ball game there, and 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 then um, the first time, I don't think that people people forget this is that that's right after we're we're coming off of a good, good solid win, probably his best win so far in, in in the college game at Ohio State. Um, and the game is, again, in Norman. Uh, and the game is a, is a 14-14 ball game in the, uh, at the end of the first quarter. Second quarter, we ended up scoring a couple of TDs there uh, in, the, in the second quarter, make it 24, uh, 24-14 at halftime. And we ended up, uh, doing what we should do in the third and fourth quarter, but you know that that was a th- those are a couple of tight ball games, and you know, like I said, Tulane is nothing to they're nothing to laugh at this year. Yeah, I think that was definitely something that was frustrating last season, just watching them get so close in that wild game in Norman, and then just kind of fall apart after that a little bit, or and, and have a few close games, but certainly 
two wins was way lower than I think anyone expected after that opener. But this was a season. This was a season where they literally flipped the script. I mean, they're eleven and two now, and they were two and two and ten last season. So it's it's interesting to see them go. And and of course now the big question is, can they maintain it next season? I mean, not to look too far ahead, but that's going to be it. Will we see Tulane take some advantage with Cincinnati leaving, with Houston leaving, to use this as an opportunity to and Central, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, to to take that and and move up another level for sure. What do you think about it, JD? Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a huge opportunity for Tulane, no matter what. I think it's huge that Willie Fritz uh, decided to stay back. Uh, you know, he was at one point rumored to be the guy who was going to take over at Georgia Tech, and then he decided, nope, I'm staying here at Tulane. And, you know, I think just so often for this bowl game, I think one of my favorite mismatches that I'm going to be looking for for this bowl season is going to be Ty J Spears, the running back out of Tulane, going against that secondary uh, with USC, attempting to tackle him in the open attempting. field. <laughs> yes, attempting, doing a lot of work. Oh here. my gosh! Uh, but to see him just absolutely tear up UCF's defense in that championship game, I mean, there's a reason this guy is averaging more than six yards per carry over the course of his entire career. Uh, he is a special talent, uh, and you know, as a junior at Tulane, he is going to have a phenomenal game in this Cotton Bowl. I cannot wait to see him on the field. Yeah, he's going to run right through him. I, I have no doubt. I mean, maybe the USA defense will be surprising. Maybe that in fiasco of <laughs> performance will. But, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. And Grinch, I know Oklahoma fans weren't exactly thrilled with him either. I, the only theory that seems the most plausible is that they brought him along to also just kind of have somebody who they already knew and kind of have that transition be steady. But... I'm I'm seeing it'll be interesting to see if they keep him around in the offseason or maybe they will. And, and next season will be the year where it'll have to be a decision. But that performance was just pathetic. And again, I know that's something where when we were watching the reactions, a lot of Oklahoma fans were like, yep, yeah, that, that's that's about right. So it's kind of terrifying to think how good that a team with with uh, Riley could be if he had a defensive coordinator or maybe he's just I don't know, is he I can't. Uh, it would be it would be great because I mean again I still remember Bob Stoops you know early on that was what made Oklahoma so st- stunning when they won that national championship was that defense they had going there so again I yeah it would be nice to see it we'll see if that that happens and that turns out you know JD it looks like we've been on for about an hour I think we'll go ahead and start wrapping it up this was RCFB talk 115. Tuesday nights, we like hearing from you. We like to have special guests as well. We're arranging some more of those to have them back on. There was a little break there because a lot of us were getting hit by that flu bug that just absolutely, man, my kids, oh, if it's hit you, if it's hit your family, you know exactly how bad it's been this year. But we're going to get through it, and I'm excited. We've got bowl season coming up. There's so many fun games. I cannot wait. I mean, I always dream that one day I'm going to go to that Bahamas Bowl at, that's probably my favorite one of all. Then I still love the fact many of you may remember, or some of you may not. That final Mac game was Miami, and I forgot who they were playing, but they were playing for the right to play not only go bowling, but they were guaranteed the winner was going to go to the Bahamas. Like that is by far the best setup for a bowl game I've ever seen. And then UAB gets to go there. They're going to go enjoy just a wonderful time out at the Atlantis Hotel in there. And then, of course, 
Same day, we get that Cure Bowl, UTSA versus Troy, ranked versus ranked. It's going to be exciting opening to all of this. So we cannot wait for December 16th to get here. Now, all that said, we'll have definitely a show before then, maybe more. My name is Bob Ekairi. J.D. Moore was my co-host. We love talking to you. We enjoyed hearing from you. And we hope all of you have a great rest of your night. Now, I'm hang up and listen. <laughs>